Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin. I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on News Talk 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here tonight to tell you what you need to know about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many of the other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, and this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're here tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at health care from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800 859 Again, that number is 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome back. Siobhan, my co-host, welcome back. Dr. Collender, what do you have to tell us about what's the news today, the news of the day? Well, we have two things we're going to talk about on the show, at least try to, and, and callers are free to chime in with a question, not comments, but a great question are always open. Um so two things. One is the FDA approval of a vaccine for COVID, not the one you think was approved, but the one they actually did approve. We'll talk about that. And we also have to talk about a new study out of Israel, which suggests prior immunity is better than vaccination immunity, which is really a new concept um, if you're not paying attention Um uh, We've always thought that the immunity achieved from getting the the virus um, has long-term benefits, and that's been established uh, by many independent researchers. But now there's a study in Israel, which is new, not just suggesting but showing that if you've been exposed to the virus and developed immunity um, plus getting a vaccine, it's much better than just having the vaccine alone. Interesting. So, Dr. Collender, I have a question for you. Way back at the beginning of the outbreak of COVID, you yourself got COVID. Then you developed all kinds of antibodies, and you even went to Beaumont to try to donate your serum at one and time. No one, well, and, of course no one wants it. Well, they didn't because, know what to do at that time, I guess. Well, and again, this is a whole other thing of, you know, what is the FDA doing? So donating convalescent serum, if you're doing that, well, then you can't create an antibody product. Uh So granted, the antibody products were great, but they're probably expensive to develop and costly to your insurance company. If you get COVID, you, you know, they're, they're out there and they're, they're, you know, curing you overnight, which is great, except you might've been able to get a dose of somebody's convalescent serum for free. Right. And that doesn't support the system. No, not at all. They didn't even take your they right. didn't even take your and, serum. And we talked about last, you know, week about how, you know, there's drugs that 
may be beneficial, I'm saying may be beneficial, um, that aren't being used or promoted because if they were beneficial and worked, you wouldn't be able to market a vaccine and put it under emergency use authorization like what's happening now or approve of a vaccine uh, for fighting COVID. Okay, that being said, you as an MD, as a physician, as a specialist, having suffered through COVID, made the antibodies, you chose to get a vaccine. You got what, Pfizer? I did do the Pfizer. So would you agree you made the right choice? Oh, you know, now, you know, I, you make the best decision that you have at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I'm pro-vaccine, I'm going to say that, and also say that the government's doing everything possible to make you uh, confused. Well, I mean, with what are we, I don't know, we've got like 50-something, 60-something percent of the state of Michigan, I don't know about the rest of the states that are vaccinated. Siobhan told me today that she got a $75 offer. Siobhan, tell us what you got in the mail. Oh, I saw, yeah. I mean, I didn't read the whole flyer, but it was something like, you know, if you choose to get at least one dose of the vaccine, we'll send you a $75 Visa gift card. Great. And her answer to, and her comment at the time was, why didn't I wait? I could have got yeah. the $75 well, gift yeah, card. Yeah, but of course, I think that's now in retrospect. You know, but that but means, we expected more people, I think, to be vaccinated. But that means there's a push. That means there's Absolutely. a push. There's an absolute push to still get people to take the vaccine. And Dr. Collender, let's have you weigh in on that. I'm going to I'm gonna be sound, and I probably have sounded uh, like I'm walking the line every show, but I, I still promote vaccines. And again, I'm going to say to the people that don't want to be vaccinated, no one is giving you any reason to get vaccinated with the games that they're playing. And that's the fault of our government. Well, here's one thing we can say, not to interrupt you, but speaking of the study in Israel, yeah, we talked in prior shows about there being a long-term inflammatory response if you do have COVID. So that alone could be a reason to, to get the vaccine, right? Well, to yes. convince people. But if getting the virus is better than getting the vaccine, then maybe it isn't. In terms of well, immunity, but maybe not in terms of other long-hauler Correct, correct. Issues. And that's still, we still don't fully understand who is predisposed to what type of long-term complication. We still don't know what the long-term complications are because we don't know who had COVID. You know, so we really don't know because in the beginning we didn't do testing and contact tracing. And it's very possible that if we had just done contact tracing and, and testing, then maybe we wouldn't have needed a vaccine and we could have managed exposures, limited the number of people being exposed, stop having massive community outbreaks and, you know, isolated the people who were exposed and this is gone. So this was handled poorly from the beginning um, the way it was that, you know, with the opportunities we had then and it's still being handled poorly in different ways. It's shocking to me how bad this is being screwed up. And I'm going to say that it's, oh, next time. To go to, well, it's Sorry. a reactionary process. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're going to have to take a short break. We'll come back and talk about this on the other side of the break. You're listening to a special live broadcast, and we are here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent catastrophic disease, Please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. 
You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know that we're welcoming you to our special medical radio show on News Talk 760 WJR. We are back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. He's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. We're inviting the listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. And before I pass the mic over to Siobhan, who's been getting information via Facebook, um, I would like to let the listeners know that Dr. Collender has a Sunday show at 3 p.m. on Sunday. You should listen in also to get more information and hear from the doctor directly. Siobhan, what did you get over Facebook Live? Yeah, so we had a question come in over the Facebook Live stream. Um, a young lady saying that she and her husband were both vaccinated in April with Moderna, and both she and her husband had very severe symptoms, uh, like a reaction to the vaccine. And she's wondering, is it likely that they had COVID before because of the fact that they had these this reaction? Well, you know, when you say severe reaction, it just it's what does that mean? I mean, I had the vaccine and I had a reaction. Was it severe? I mean, you know, I was for 24 to 36 hours. I was achy, tired, weak, you know, muscle pain. And and really, it might have taken me three days to clear it before I felt okay. I'm back to normal. Mm -hmm. So is that severe? No, I look at that as I just got a, that's the virus. My immune system's working. But I think what she's asking is, you know, it, a lot of people are saying, oh, the, the severity of your reaction might indicate that you had COVID before, that you were exposed to it. So I think she's it wondering might. your opinion it, on both. that. It both. It could mean that you have a robust immune system and you've been exposed or and or you've been exposed before. Okay. So it could be, but in you know, in general, people that have been exposed had some kind of symptom, although it could have just been losing their ten, uh, sense of taste or smell, and that mm-hmm. was COVID. So it's, that's a kicker. We don't know. We mm-hmm. weren't testing appropriately. But yeah. I, I do remember back in the beginning when we started to go live a year ago when COVID first broke out, and Dr. Lauter from Beaumont was here. And one of the things that stuck in my mind was that he said, probably 80% of the people have already been exposed or have had it and they were asymptomatic and didn't know that they had it. So therefore they have antibodies. So that changes the whole picture of everything because they went out into the wilderness and had to decide whether or not to get a vaccine, but they didn't know they had it. They didn't know they had antibodies. Nobody was doing serum antibody testing. Well, we were. Well, that's all. But I'm also (laughs) going to say that that's a long time ago and it was very early and, and the world has changed and when I look at studies and I want to say uh, uh, editorial comments from April, the world has changed from April. So nothing that happened in June of 2020 means anything today. I know, but there have, there have been a lot of people who are anecdotally found out that they had been exposed to COVID, actually had it and got over it or were living with well, it. Well, if that were true, then we wouldn't be dealing with as much Delta virus issues as we are. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you needed to have, I think, a little more of a substantial symptom with real positive results, not right. the, well, I was sick and I must have had COVID in January, February. No, but there were, I know a lot of people who had to get tested for one reason or another through their job and they found out that they had it and were it's, sent it's, home from work. But they could have just been carriers. Well, 
true yeah, and not Because the tests are too sensitive. Siobhan, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in because we have a call on the line. We have Aaron in Ohio on the line. Aaron, what's your question? I was just curious if the doctor had an opinion about wearing the mask all day. Yes, I do. I hate wearing a mask all day. So, you know. Well, no one likes No that. one likes wearing a mask. So, you know, if you as an individual feel that you're at risk because you're elderly, you have a compromised immune system, you're on multiple, whatever it might be, um, you're on multiple medications, anything, then wear a mask. You know, I'll say it's a personal decision right now. If you've been vaccinated, um, you had COVID, you were had COVID and were vaccinated. I mean, I don't understand the, why we're wearing a mask in that situation. I really don't. Um, I, you know, that's it. I, I'm, I'm, you know, the real way to keep people from getting COVID is back to social distancing which we don't want any part of that either. I'm going to jump in uh, just because we got another question over Facebook Live. Someone's asking, if you had to advise between getting the Pfizer or the Moderna shot, what would you choose? <laughs> he's, he's not Darn. looking at that email that I gave him over the break and reading it and wondering, but go ahead. Well, geez, you know. Or you, you don't have to make a choice, but, you know, if you have a clear uh, choice in mind for someone that's wondering from the Well, if you're a regular listener, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm waffling. And, and now as time goes on and we learn more, I am. And I'm, you know, because I don't have any more information than the listeners do about what's going on other than the ability to interpret what I'm reading better. And so um, I'm going to still say getting vaccinated with any vaccine is okay. Um, there's some theoretical issues, which we're not going to get into and probably won't ever happen about that are, I'll say, seem more real to me now about mRNAs that weren't before. But um, I mean, I got an mRNA vaccine. My kids got mRNA vaccines. And the chance of, you know, these theoretical problems that you hear about on social media, viral, you know, lectures to the school boards um, are really, you know, one in a billion occurrences that they're worried about, which, we're, again, we're not going to entertain today. Well, I, I think the issue at the time when people were first jumping out to get the vaccine was the whole issue of mRNA versus DNA versus the Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca and what was going on in Europe with the Germany not taking people refusing to uh, taking uh, AstraZeneca before it even came over here. So I think there was kind of that division at the time. And Moderna and Pfizer were on one side of the water. And on the other side of the bridge was the uh, the DNA vaccine. Well, but it's a different conversation. Now. I know. Now that's the what I'm saying. Now the conversation is about, you know, verified adverse reaction documentation. And so there are databases with adverse reactions that are huge and not being addressed by anybody. You know, so the fault of the government in addressing the databases that are accumulating related to vaccine uh, administration makes it seem that there's a problem because they're ignoring it. Um, the FDA is not carrying through with regular public discussion that's supposed to happen when you approve of any drug and they didn't, they're not doing it with these vaccines. 
So the government's doing everything they could to make it seem like they're hiding something. And even if they're not, there's an arrogance of it's an emergency. We're pushing this through. Don't ask any questions. And it's insulting to the people who have questions. And, um, and it, again, if you are skeptical, they're not doing anything to make you feel any less skeptical. Mm-hmm. And we're going to address, can we move on you, to this? Yeah, the, the, that's my point. I, yeah. I wanted to get on to that. This that is too lo- big a topic for th- a minute. We'll so, introduce it yeah. and come back. Yeah, well, anyway, I'll, I'll just uh, tell the listeners what we're going to be talking about in the next section is that I received an email from one of our listeners, one of our loyal listeners in Seoul, South Korea, who had sent me an email about this very subject, about the vaccines, which I just passed over to Dr. Collender at the beginning of the show. So we'll come back and he will address that email and address the questions in the email on the other side of the break. Dr. Collender, do you have any quick words to say in the 30 seconds? Well, we're going to talk about in this, again, what the listener brought up is the confusion about what did the FDA approve. They approved a vaccine that's a Pfizer vaccine, but not the Pfizer vaccine that you're all getting and is available. So, and this is verifiable, by the way. This oh, is, yeah. This is, this is definitely oh, yeah. verifiable. Okay. So they approved a vaccine that goes by a different name than what's currently available. And this vaccine that was approved is unavailable. You can't get it. It's not, a, it's not out in the market, but it's been approved by the FDA for use. Very interesting. Let's come back and delve into this on the other side of the break. Again, you're listening to a special live medical broadcast, and if you have a special question and you would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke or you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR. We're fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. We're inviting you to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, before we start and delve into the email you have in front of you, I'm just reminding listeners to tune in on Sundays at 3 o'clock to follow up on your other radio show, 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I received this email that you have in front of you from a listener in Seoul, South Korea, and I thought I'd better just pass it on to you and let you read it and answer the, the questions that she had about the vaccines. Right. So this is what we were going to talk about today. So uh, Melanie in Asia is on the point, which is the FDA approved a vaccine produced by Pfizer called Comirnaty. And so Comirnaty was approved without any studies. And the reasoning is they called it um, similar enough to Pfizer that they could approve it without doing any kind of um, sorry without doing any kind of additional research, um, but they called it legally distinct that it could get its own approval, yet still maintain the emergency use authorization for Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson, 
because community isn't available commercially. What does that mean, not available commercially? It's not available commercially. It's not being made. So they approved a vaccine because it's similar enough to a vaccine in use, but legally distinct that it gets its own approval versus not approving, not giving official approval, or they're able to extend the emergency use to the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Yet, yet, they're similar enough to get the same, that they can be, that it can be approved based on Pfizer, except community has a black box warning for myocarditis. Oh, and we had people that were calling in and talking about that, that they had those types of reactions. That's interesting. It's one or the other. Mm -hmm. So they're saying community needs post-marketing research because it's got a risk of myocarditis, yet it got approved as being similar enough to Pfizer without needing its own study. But Pfizer, under the emergency use, doesn't have a warning or side effects related to it. Mm -hmm. They're playing both sides. They're saying that it's approved, yet maintaining the emergency use for the available vaccines. What that means legally, and I'm not a lawyer, I'm just kind of reiterating what I've read about this is that this is the basis for the mandates. Now there's a, an approved vaccine so they can mandate the vaccine administrations, even though they're legally distinct yet similar enough to make the approval, except the approved one, which you can't find or get, has warnings that the emergency use one doesn't have. So you should be confused (laughs) because it doesn't make any sense. Well, before I got that email, I don't think anybody I knew knew about that. Siobhan's got Mm -hmm. a caller, by the way. Is the caller still there? I believe so. Is anyone taking a call and then we'll come back? Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the caller. We have Jeanette in Detroit. Jeanette, what's your question? Yes, thank you. And uh, good evening to all of you all, and God bless you. Uh, I'm an ex-employee of one of the largest hospitals here in Detroit, and uh, I've been out for quite a while. And uh, I'm going to make it quick. I had Moderma March the 5th, 2021. Then I had Pfizer that followed. Then I had the nose swab out in Dearborn. Now, to my understanding, I'm, I'm out of work now. I don't. I don't work, period handicap. I want to know, do I need to be concerned about the booster? Because I'm being told that once you have the Moderma and the Pfizer and the swab, the swab tells you if the shot, if if it's in you, if if it was taken or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? I know you all do because you're doctor. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Okay, then. So I'm trying to make it short. So I want to know if I do I need the booster. I've been told no. I don't know. So the swab only tells you if you have an active infection, but if you've been vaccinated, you might be carrying a small amount of virus with you that's asymptomatic and subclinical, not clinically relevant, and the swab can pick it up. So swabbing an asymptomatic vaccinated person is 
looking for trouble. You're like you're going to find something you didn't need to find. So the swab doesn't mean anything to you. Um, you should, if you again, if you've if you're handicapped, um, that means you have a chronic illness. Your immune system may not be as uh, active it should be. You should get a booster on month eight or later. Again, people are getting symptoms earlier, um, but maybe those people never had COVID before. I'm telling my patients, wait till month eight, which is when, again, the Israeli study showed immunity was waning, and that's when they recommend recommended getting the booster. And we're going on their data because they're doing real-time you know, I'm going to say national level surveillance, which our country isn't doing. So we just don't have the data in our country to make decisions. We're relying on the UK, which has the NHS, and Israel, which is doing national level research. Something's wrong with this picture. You're relying on the UK and Israel. What's up with that? Well, all we talk about is how our healthcare system's broken, and this is just another manifestation of a broken healthcare system. You have another, I'm sorry, we have another caller. Here. Yeah, you want so to take the yeah caller? let's try and grab this caller. Um, we have Marcy in Sterling Heights. Marcy, what's your question? Uh, my question is, um, when I was quite young, uh, younger, I had uh, the flu shot uh, during uh, when they had a, uh, a bad outbreak. And when I received it, I developed, um, uh, my tongue became partially paralyzed, and I had a stiff neck, and which lasted for a few days, and then it subsided. And at that time, it really frightened me, so I said, I'm never going to get another flu shot again. And I found that as the years have gone on, I've become more sensitive, my skin, uh, to injections, soaps, and everything. I get red face. I get tingling of my lips. So, you know, they're promoting this vaccine, and I, very frankly, I'm scared to death to get it. And I just wanted your opinion about this. Should she get the vaccine done? Well, before we answer that question, I want to say that I look at gut health as a source of autoimmunity that you're describing, and you need to pay attention to the foods that you're eating to heal your your whole gastrointestinal tract so that you're less sensitive to environmental exposures. Um, as far as your um, getting the, the vaccine, People who had high blood pressure had the highest complication rate from some of the research I've been reading. And second is people with allergy issues. So I don't want to tell anyone not to get the vaccine, but allergy issues were the second most common cause of vaccine-related complications or side effects. So what's the average listener to do out there? There are a lot of people out there listening that have pre-existing conditions and they're asking the question, should I even get the vaccine? Am I going to be in worse shape if I get the vaccine because I have hypertension or diabetes or some other chronic uh, disease? Um, should they, I guess my question to you is, should they be getting on the phone and going to see their primary care physician who's going to give them some guidance? Their doctor has to make the decision, but at the end of the day, um, the guidance doesn't exist for anybody. I hate to say it, the data's not, the research isn't being done. We don't know the full answers. Well, we'll have to come back and discuss that some more on the other side of the break. You're listening to a special live broadcast from the studios of Startup Nation in downtown Birmingham. And if you have a specific question on the subjects we're discussing tonight and you would like to talk to the doctor directly, 
please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat the chronic and debilitating diseases of our time. We are broadcasting live from the Startup Nation studios in downtown Birmingham. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. And just as a quick note to listeners, because we do get a lot of calls, some of you don't quite make it to being on the air, please call Dr. Colander's office directly, 866-COLANDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R, and he will be glad to guide you with your questions. Coming back, Dr. Collender, um, we're holding up a couple of calls here so Let's that you take can the calls. finish. You Let's take, take calls. the calls. We'll take yeah. a call. Okay. All right, we'll take a call. All right, so now we have Dan on the line in Macomb. Dan, what's your question? Did we, maybe we don't have Dan on the line anymore. Dan's not there. Oh, D- Dan, are you there? I am here. I am here. Hi, hi, hi Dan. You? Yes, we can hear yeah. you. What's your question? Two, uh, thanks for taking my call. I have two related questions related to the heart. Uh, one of your promotional statements for your program is nobody needs to die from a heart attack and a stroke. Yet a huge percentage of our population in the United States dies from heart attack and stroke-related uh, matters. Well, have you ever had a patient die from a heart attack or a stroke yourself? And no, what no. Is ba- and, what is that, and what is that based on, that state? Well, loaded question. Thanks for asking. Um, I'm going to say, you know, what we do is screening for disease, and we have a process for preventing disease. So, Again, we have shows on shows about this. Please listen to Sunday and feel free to call us to learn more. Um, but the idea is that we do testing that identifies disease before you have an event and then a process to stop you from making more plaque and reversing artery age. Yeah, I mean, it's really important for people to know and get this message across that we have 600,000 or 650,000 people that die of heart attack that didn't need to die because the technology is there. You have the technology. It's 100% preventable. Siobhan, you have another caller? Yeah. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. Up next, we have Stephen in Metamora. Stephen, what's your question? I understand there are three vaccinations for COVID-19, Modern, Moderna and J&J and Pfizer. Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, of the three, which which one would you uh, prescribe to your mother, Dr. Collins? Well, more importantly, which one would I give my kids? So one of my kids got Moderna, and one got Pfizer, and I got Pfizer. So that's what we did. Um, that's your answer. Okay. Right. We have a, sorry, we have a lot to go through in the last few minutes. Right, we only have a few minutes. We have a lot okay. to cover. Okay. Do you, do, Siobhan, do you have another call? We have one more, yeah, okay. right now. So we have now uh, Pat and Monroe. Pat, what's your question? My question is I have been told I have a, a leaky valve in my heart, and I'm wondering what questions should I be asking my doctor or what could doctor uh, 
advise me about here? Well, that's a very vague description of what's going on. You need to know how is your heart working and what is your risk for needing a valve replacement down the road and how often do you need to be looked at and measure the you know the details of the valve situation and so that you can follow it and be on top of it. Don't assume that the doctor is covering it. That's something you should be looking at if it's if it's significant, it should be looked at every year. If it's, oh, a throwaway statement or you have a leaky valve, that's very common, and a minor leaky valve will never do anything. So the question is, is it clinically relevant or a throwaway statement? And I can't tell you based on what that what yeah, you've been told. Yeah, I mean, she really needs to. Her doctor is the one that's responsible for that because if you – if you're a doctor and you tell somebody they've got this condition, leaky valve, I'd want to know how leaky is it right? and how so, dangerous is it. The, so, right, there's and degrees. And then she fall back on the doctor who told her that she has a leaky valve. Exactly. It could mean nothing or it could mean annual follow-up, sometimes six-month follow-up and getting, you know, prepping you for surgery early on. All right, do we have any more calls, Siobhan? Not, not at the moment, no. All right, well, Dr. Collender, do you want to talk a little bit more about this email? Yeah, I want to find out. We talked off the air a little bit on Facebook, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you think about the FDA doing this? Approving a vaccine that's unavailable, that is legally different from the Pfizer vaccine, yet similar enough to approve based on its similarities medically, except the approved vaccine has a warning against myocarditis and the vaccine we're all getting and I got and my kid one of my kids got is uh has it doesn't have the same warning but they're similar enough to be approved what does that mean to you not much it's just questionable there must I, I I wish I could understand the incentive I suppose well you've got to presume and what what's the presumption well I'm asking you and you everyone knows what I think what do you think? Well, there must be some profit to be made somewhere in the line. So, so profit, and I really think this is a major control issue. Because What are they trying to control, though? Mandating the vaccine. You and mean so, making it mandatory, is that what you're saying? If it's been approved, now you can mandate it, and that's what happened. The day it became ma- approved, and again, there was like a, a bait and switch. Oh, we're approving a Pfizer, the, the Pfizer vaccines being approved. Oh, we're not telling you that it's a different Pfizer vaccine. We're just telling you the Pfizer vaccine is approved. No one knows that community exists. You're yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, no misleading. one knows that it exists. So we're going to intentionally mislead you into thinking that the Pfizer vaccine, oh, by the way, there's two sister vaccines and they're the same. I mean, I don't know what to think of this other than to think that the FDA is making a political move to allow the government and companies to mandate the vaccine. However, the, they, they can only mandate the vaccine that is available for the people to get, correct? No, they mandated community. Okay. You can still decline. Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson based on their under-emergency use if you have an opportunity to decline it without getting fired from a hospital. But that's what we all got, right, the Pfizer? 
or the or the Moderna. No one got Comirnaty. Right. Okay. It's like it's sitting on a shelf. The one vial of it. It's not. Well, why we talking about it? And that's why, because the FDA is using it to trick us. Well, you know what? Here's another issue, and I know we don't have much time left, but more and more places are uh, tanking up signs saying, if you don't get vaccinated, you can't come in. Colleges, businesses, so either you've got your vaccine card saying you got something, Mickey Mouse or otherwise, but um, you have to be vaccinated. And this is going to, I think, spread even more. Based on this trickery. Wow. This isn't, they didn't approve a vaccine that we're getting. They approved a vaccine that no one's got, except that vaccine has a black box warning that's similar enough to the vaccine we're getting. Why isn't the vaccine we're getting have a black box warning that, it's, that it has the safety issue? Well, that's trickery, manipulation, and control by our government with the FDA. And I'm going to say again, the FDA is not here to protect us. It's here to protect pharmaceutical companies. Here we are, out of hope at the end of the show. We'll have to come back and talk about this more next week. But unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'd quickly like to thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune in to our shows for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Good night and be well.